Welcome to episode seven. Episode seven. <laughs> Press Connect. It's been a few weeks. We've had, well, we've had a break, haven't we, Hayley? A sabbatical, I think, um, which has been really interesting because uh, I, I had um, some booked leave. Uh, you then had some booked leave. And then there was something with a bunch of millionaires and a bag of wind, I think. <laughs> we don't uh uh yeah book leave is, is, is something new but uh, you know I, I like my movies i think i already said that to you but uh i listen to mark commode and simon mayo and when they have a break in the summer they call it the cruise so they actually sort of like made up that they actually go on a cruise with everybody and and, and, and whatnot but it's it, it's fantastic so we could say that actually we were on a on a cruise not that a cruise could go anywhere at the moment but i do believe you could go on holiday on a boat and not move anywhere it sounds like a good holiday to me i, I don't know why we're not doing this <laughs> <laughs> maybe for next year when we yeah. take a couple of uh, uh days off we shall um uh we should do something like that that would be good fun you've been enjoying the football um absolutely not it's not something i subscribe to um i have never been a very patient spectator and the whole thing baffles me i'm sorry we're in opposition for this <laughs> so 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 your, your sunday night uh I, i'm a little bit relieved because uh i'm a bit exhausted actually with with uh the, the, the football but um it's nice that England have made it through to the final and I'm sure we can count on your support Sunday night. I believe so. I mean, I do have questions about uh, the idea of a bank holiday being brought at such short notice for the Monday. Um, I, you know, as a small business under uh, a small business owner, I wonder how to accommodate that. Do I book people in? Do I not? It's yeah, a bit of a, a bit of a nightmare, but I don't know whether it's just social media news or is it an actual I, I, thing? I think it's just social media. I think it's just social media. So let's not get, uh, uh, yeah, I don't think we, we, we should be getting ahead of ourselves and booking, uh, in, and looking for, for this, that, or the other, but, uh, but no, it, it's, it's all good. And we're back on it, at, at press connect. So, um, thank you for your comments. We've had quite a lot of, uh, engagement and a lot of, um, questions that have come into us, uh, as long as, you know, whilst we have been off the, the market doesn't stop still, does it Hayley? Uh, surprisingly not the world doesn't stop spinning just because we're on holiday who knew <laughs> exactly <laughs> right i'll get no actually uh why don't we what would you like to do first should we do shall i ask my question and I've, well, actually i've got two questions and one of them uh which is actually the audience could actually pick this up next week is on twitter there is a hashtag called ask me anything so <laughs> as the name suggests suggests next week you can ask me anything, and I'm going to ask Hayley something later on. Which is an ask me I'm already ask nervous. I'm already nervous. Ask, <laughs> ask me anything. So, right, what's well, been happening in, in the in the automotive world? Attended the Reuters event, the Car of the Future, which is an international event. If you ever get the opportunity to attend, I very much recommend it. And my main takeaway from this was how safe driving is culturally different 
from country to country, uh, which is an aspect of self-driving systems that I hadn't really considered. Um, I talk a lot at length within schools and for lectures about the ethics of self-driving, but I've never really considered how driving is culturally different from one place to another. And now it's been mentioned to me, I feel a little bit silly for not really thinking about it uh, before. So we've got a real barrier for the inclusion of this technology. And we'll have this expectation from our governments to provide robust legislative frameworks as to decide what is safe. Because if we leave that just in the computer's hands, then we'll all be traveling at four mile an hour. <laughs> Good point. But I think it's, I guess it's one of those things, isn't it, that when you look at it and you think, well, actually, it shouldn't be a surprise because uh, electric vehicles are further ahead in some countries and they're further behind and they're back in others. And it is, it's cultural in, in, in a number of ways. So uh, are you saying then that there is this um, uh, approach where it, we are all a little bit, I don't know, do we follow others in terms of being sceptical or about self-driving vehicles well i i don't i don't know will we see um a, an international standard of driving will our expectation change anybody who's driven around paris will say that's a very different experience to driving around chester or driving around wrexham or driving around perth you know milton Keynes is a really good example because of how that was designed and built um yeah. there are countries uh, like the United States that have grown with the motor car. Um, there are countries that haven't. Uh, I, I would imagine I've, I've not driven around New York City, but I'd imagine that's incredibly different to driving around Chicago. You know, it's um, so technology therefore have to fit in with the environment or will the environment have to change to a standard to accommodate the technology? Have you been in a, one of these vehicles? Uh, the self-driving experience for me has been limited to Teslas. And so that's more driver assistance systems yeah. rather than true self-driving technology. And although the Tesla that I had the opportunity to operate um, could theoretically uh, drive itself, it is restricted by the legislation that we are currently operating under. Uh, yeah. But it was incredibly bizarre, this vehicle changing lane on my behalf, and it was making decisions um, on the motorway that perhaps I, I wouldn't have made that decision in that way. And it was very exciting to be um, invited to have a go of this technology. And I was very excited to be there, but it was quite nerve wracking. And um, I, I don't know why I think I'm a better driver than this technology, um, but th there is this need for autonomy and to be have this feeling of being in control. Um, it it's sort of trying to get to that place yeah. where you can hand over the responsibility for the decisions that govern your life over to something else and it's um, a, it, yeah. it's 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 a it's a step process isn't it it's a step learning. i mean you know um you take let's say you you're, you're sat in the vehicle you're driving you take your feet away first you cruise control even that feels a little bit odd at times so and then you take your hands away. And I think I've heard vehicle manufacturers talk like this. And then you take your your concentration away, so your brain moves away from it. So that's how you 
slowly adapt to self-driving vehicles. Well, I don't know why it's such a weird feeling for me, because prior to the pandemic, I used to travel a lot to deliver lectures up and down the country, and I would always go by train. Um, this was mainly because a lot of the lectures where I uh, I attended uh, were in city centres. Um, you know, I was going to educational facilities. Um, so it's normally a pain to find parking. So I was quite happy to sit on the train and I would review my notes on the way up, perhaps have something to eat. I had no idea where the driver was or what they were doing, but I'm very but I think the train operates in a set parameter. It's on rails. My and also, uh, and also, as my as my 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 dad would say, who's seventy today, so big shout out. Happy to my birthday, dad. Mr. Field. Uh, and uh, 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 I know he's an avid listener. Um, and uh, <laughs> our only listener. <laughs> uh, he always used to. Well, I probably I always say the same to, to to Jack when he's driving, which is, you're not the problem. It's the other drivers that are the problem. So um, <laughs> it's uh, yeah, that's what you've got to be uh, be mindful of. So I guess you don't really get that too much with the train, but. Um, yeah, yeah, that's an interesting one. There, there is remarkable footage online of um, a Tesla in the States and there was um, a huge congested area of traffic and the traffic was stood still and something awful had happened out of camera shot. This was a dash cam and the cars were shunting forward into each other. So they were all at a standstill and the impact was so severe. The cars were shunting into each other and the Tesla sensed that this impact was going to happen, jumped forward like a startled cat and stopped before it hit the car in front of it and it broke the chain. Wow. So that was extraordinary to see because it was like watching Newton's cradle with the, the balls, you know, they swing forward watching all of these cars and their occupants. Uh, they were passengers in their own life. Although they had hold of the steering wheel, they were not in control. And the vehicle that managed to break that cycle and protect the occupants within was the one with the self-driving technology and awareness. That's fantastic, and I think yeah, you're, you're, I've seen videos from uh, other vehicle manufacturers as well. Where um, yes, there are other self-driving solutions available. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it's 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 fascinating, and um, I mean, is the technology there, or is it? And is it, is it what drives demand? Is it is it consumers that drive demand for this? Uh, like most things, and that's what most companies, most big companies, will say. Is it well? Actually, we're responding to consumer demand. Is there a demand for self-driving vehicles? I think there is a demand, and I think like everything within our lives, there will be this expectation of hybridization that we'll be able to subscribe to this when we want to use it, and we'll be able to put it down when it's not suitable for the situation, and we will be in control of that decision-making process. So for me, how I see myself using self-driving technology, I like to go to the highlands. Um, I like the driving to the twisty bits, you know, at the start of the journey. And then once I'm on the motorway, on the main trunk roads, I would quite like to stop operating the car and spend the time talking to my children, uh, perhaps reading a book, having something to eat, um, enjoy the scenery. And then once I get up then 
to the highlands and get off that main tributary road, then take control back and operate the car again. So that would be my perfect scenario. And I mean, I'd already, I'd already bought into this because I was a big fan of Knight Rider in the 80s. Yeah, so. absolutely. <laughs> right, let's move on. Let's move on. We've got, uh, and, and maybe this is related to uh, something around right to repair as well, but it, it's yeah. a little bit different. It's a question actually from Gary Wood of Intelligent Autos. Um, Gary's worked within the motor trade for over 30 years. And he disagrees with the service schedules, the servicing schedules, sorry, for modern vehicles. A lot of vehicles he sees in his workshop, he only performs fault finding and repairs, by the way, are having issues due to either lack of servicing or poor quality servicing. A lot of engine running issues are because of contamination in fuel and air filters. Braking issues are because of corrosion on braking parts that have never been cleaned or relubricated during routine servicing. And he quotes an example. Uh, a five-year-old vehicle with 50,000 on the clock, according to the manufacturer's service schedule, would not have had a replacement air filter or fuel filter. The wheels would not have been removed unless the brake pad light has been illuminated. Basically, all it will have had in the way of servicing in its life, based on manufacturer's schedules, is two or three maybe oil and filter replacements, along with visual inspections. 50,000 miles on the clock. Okay, so the key word there is visual inspection. So that is your first takeaway. So although there is an expectation with absolutely normal use and um, perfect conditions that there isn't the need to replace something or repair something, the visual inspection is that opportunity to see if that motorist is presenting that scenario, whether they require a change at that point. Um, so we have moved forward with filtration and um, ignition technology. You know, we're not setting points or replacing rotor arms anymore. Um, spark plug technology has just come along so far. Uh, we've got iridium and platinum tips. We're not changing them every year. Um, it is causing some issue with some presentations, especially if the car changes hands and that critical servicing point has been missed. It can roll over. So you've got spark plugs that have an expectation of use of 40,000 miles. It can sometimes miss that critical servicing time and then we're finding out at 80,000 miles that this car has never had a set of spark plugs, which is detrimental to vehicle health. I think manufacturers uh, have got much better um, filtration and consumable products at their disposal than what they did prior. But the um, opportunity for inspection, that is the bit that is open to interpretation. So does inspection mean you kick the tires? Does inspection mean you lift the bonnet? Does inspection mean you take the tire, the wheels off? Does it mean that you pull a spark plug? Does it mean that you're checking gaps? Um, so that bit is a little bit open to interpretation. So if you wanted the absolute bare minimum of an inspection that could be financially attractive to the motorist, and I think especially within the independent aftermarket I think this is our, our opportunity to shine and showcase our skills and our knowledge and explain to the motorist what the differences are between a casual glance and a thorough inspection. And understanding what the motorist needs from their car 
um, and whether they want this investment to be reliable and be with them for long term, their needs will be very different to somebody who is going to be using that vehicle in the short term. Thank you for that uh, that answer, and thank you, Gary, for it's an excellent. Yeah, it's an excellent question, Gary, and I do agree with you that. Um, servicing is now such a minefield, a minefield. And my biggest bugbear as a garage owner is I just want a service. Or it's a bit like saying, I just want to eat. Do you yeah. want a burger? Do you want a steak? Do you, do you want to sit down? Do you want to carry it as you're walking around? It's that they, they are such similar statements. And um, Understanding what the motorist needs is key, I think. And I think that's more important um, than anything else in delivering on expectation. Okay. What else has been happening in the world? What else has been happening in the world? Well, we had a question. Well, it's more of a very kind comment from Curtis, a respected automotive journalist. And um, he uh, instructs us to keep up the good work. So I hope that we are. And thank you, Curtis, for that feedback. It's always nice to know that more than Mr. Field is listening. <laughs> I, 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 call it, I call him Pops, so don't you worry. Call oh, there him, we uh, go, Pops. But um, so, so yes, it's, it's nice to get good feedback because if you have anything, you know, that you want to say uh, nasty about our podcast, uh, I'd rather you say it behind our back. Oh, oh! I, I would just say, just send that to, to Mark. I mean, um, I, I have a particular interest in um, self-driving technology, um, uh, uh, connected technology, and how it's uh, in, how it's impacting our industry. Um, Denso have. Um, put an in incredibly impressive update on LinkedIn about how they are connecting their worldwide production plants and their internet of things. I've been following that quite closely and I'm particularly fascinated by edge computing. This is my new thing that I'm sort of fascinated by and um, how uh, this is going to improve response times, um, especially when we need to save bandwidth. So we're all struggling for internet connection. I don't know how many times that this is frozen just for us to talk to each other and record the conversation. So when we're relying on vehicles to make decisions and using this bandwidth, uh, it's quite critical really that they have access order to make the decisions that they need to make. So the Internet of Things is where sensors and uh, machines talk to each other and can make decisions, just in case that um, that definition <laughs> needs explaining there. So edge computing is therefore making those decisions at that coal face level rather than shooting it off to a cloud waiting for a decision from the from that computer and then coming back so that's what edge computing is all about so processing the data that is just relevant for that decision like is it dark outside do i need to turn the headlamps on is it raining do i need to turn the wipers on that doesn't need um cloud-based technology to make a decision to turn the wiper blades on. We just need to know that it is raining, reduce that latency and give that instant decision because that is going to be the expectation of the motorist with this technology. So edge computing, definitely something that um, I'm very interested in. It's also got uh, an environmental impact. Um, the internet and the use of the internet uses a lot of energy. And whenever you use energy that 
is harmful to the environment. So we want to conserve energy and not needlessly waste it. So edge computing also has an environmental benefit because we don't need to use huge servers to decide whether me in a vehicle going down a road in Bridgend needs to turn the wiper blades on or not. No. And thank you very much for that very, very, very detailed uh, explanation as well. I did have a bit of trouble with my headset, but I've Sorry about that. fixed it now. So, uh, uh, no, I just went course. on. I didn't even notice. I just carried on. I'm no, so, fascin- <laughs> yeah, so fascinated by edge computing. Um, but, yeah, <laughs> I mean, latency is a real issue. It is a real issue. I mean, I changed internet provider at the workshop and it drove me insane. We are um, a tiny, tiny workshop and uh, we've gone over to fiber optic within the workshop and in order to just get to through our day-to-day processes we had to reconnect 12 blinking devices to our i felt like i just spent all day changing a password on every single device that we needed and it really did um highlight to me the importance of this connectivity and if this is just how difficult it is within my workshop environment getting all of the cars talking to each other, both to their environment, each other, the motorist, and to sort themselves out. It's a big ask. It is. It is. And that just goes in um, uh, into those other things where we talk about the internet and the infrastructure in place of, of garages on modern vehicles. I'm conscious of the time. Sorry. So we'll, what we'll do, no, it's not your fault. We will go to, well, maybe it is your fault. We will <laughs> go to, uh, we'll, what we'll do is we'll tackle right to repair Oh, washing machines. Yes. Uh, Yeah. uh, We'll put a link in and then we'll ask people if they have any questions about this because I'll ask some questions. Um, But let's do our new section, which is the final part of our podcast, which is Ask Me Anything. So, Hayley, ask me anything. Mark, if you were a plant, what type of plant would you be? (laughs) <laughs> i don't know i've got i've got a plant here in which the audience won't be able to see because um uh um it's we're, we've stuck to audio but you won't see this but if you look at that bit there right it reminds me of wilson out of castaway so the ball the wilson ball he's got a face on it and yes, I know you're thinking, uh, I know what you're thinking, but it looks like the spiky hair. So I'd like to be Wilson. You, you want to be Wilson. So basically you want to be on a desert island with only Tom Hanks for company. Yes, I'd love that. With a, a non-speaking role. And that was, <laughs> that was a great answer to your awful question. Right. And in return, I will ask you in our section of Ask Me Anything, Hayley, if you weren't running Avia Autos, what would you be doing? Your job, Mark, obviously. Which one? Football <laughs> <laughs> coach? Uh, (laughs) well i enjoyed that and i'm looking forward to the questions next week thank you all have a good weekend and hey guess what what it's coming home what's what's coming home i i've been living under a rock (laughs) (laughs) brilliant take care everybody
Bye. Thank you very much. And as also, please click subscribe and send in your questions to Mark or myself, especially the Ask Me Anything. I can't wait to see what comes in with that. <laughs> Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye. <laughs>